shadows deepen. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Is all creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this?
morning. He is risen. Um, there's a story in the Bible about two people, a man and a woman, who was in a garden, and they were told not to eat of a tree. And um, the woman, of course, was deceived, and then the man just decided to do it. He wasn't even deceived, just decided to do it. Is at that moment that heaven became void of all human life. No human could ever make it to heaven because of that one act. But Jesus was worthy. So through the course of time and events of life, God made a plan for the redemption of the world, and through faith, you could make it into heaven. And he actually took you and redeemed humankind so that they could go to heaven, but only the ones that accepted him as their savior. So 2,000 years ago, God, who did not want heaven to be void of human life, yours and mine, sent his son to die on the cross. And he died and he shed his blood for the remission of our sins to redeem us from the slavery of sin. He was taken down off of that cross on a Thursday evening and on a Sunday morning, proving that death had no hold over him. He walked out of that grave alive so you and I could be in heaven and so that heaven would not be void of the human race. Come on. And he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. So, that said, um, my name is Philip Brand, and I'm the pastor here, and if it's the first time you're here, I'm really glad you're here, um, and this is the day that you should be here. Um, I think every day should be, every Sunday should be a day you're here, but this is definitely a day that you should be here. It's the day that we actually celebrate the one that created us and that life that he gives us. Um, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, him coming out of that grave, has so many implications to life. It's not just salvational. Now, I would tell you this, salvation is the number one thing. So I'm not trying to say that salvation is not the number one thing, but I'm saying it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing on the list. There is more on the list with you being saved and with you accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior than just you going to heaven, than you just being saved. There are far more implications to this, far more implications. And as strange as it might seem to someone's ears that might not be a part of the faith that someone died and rose three days later, there's plenty of historical facts to show that he did. There are plenty of people that saw him after the resurrection, of the, after he rose from the dead. He appeared to more than 500 people at the same time and many others. And so this one thing in the Bible, there's so much proof that it actually happened. You cannot deny that it did not. You cannot say that it did not, and it did. So salvation, the resurrection, has far more implications. So this morning, I want to kind of get started with a responsive reading, all right? So I've asked Chad to come up. He is going to read the black letters, and you and I are going to read the red letters, okay? Um, so here we go. Hey. He paid the debt he did not owe. I owed the debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. He paid that debt at Calvary. He cleansed my soul and set me free. I'm glad that Jesus did all my sins erase. I now can sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. 
Christ Jesus paid the debt that I never pay. One day he's coming back for me to live with him eternally. Won't it be glory to see him on that day? I then will sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. That is redemption. That is an implication of the resurrection. Um, recently, um, my dishwasher at my home died. So um, it, it wouldn't wash, didn't necessarily die, it sort of died. What would happen is you could start it, and then you could hear it starting and water coming into it, and then about three minutes into it, four minutes into it, my dishwasher would stop, go to cancel, and then drain all the water out of it, right? So this affects me directly. I don't know if you know this or not. I've said this sometimes, but you might not know this. Um, I do the dishes in my house, and my wife does the laundry. It's just something we came up with. I can't fold clothes, but I can do dishes. I, I'm a good organizer in the cabinet. She's a good organizer of the clothes, so that's just the way we operate. So I do the dishes. So when the dishwasher goes out, it affects me directly. So I begin to try to figure out how to work on the dishwasher. It is one thing I can do as long as I don't mess with the water coming into it and the water going out of it. If I can just mess with the electronics, I can probably fix it. So I, I went online, and you know, you can Google anything. I went online, and I found a five-page document that tells you how to um, diagnose what is wrong with your dishwasher. I thought this was the greatest thing ever, so I printed it out, and I started to read it. It would say, you, you cut the breaker off, and then you cut it back on, and then for five pages, it tells you how to read the lights on the front of your dishwasher. How many of you have, have lights on front of your dishwasher, right? Now, this, is very, this was very confusing for me. And I'll just give you an example of what it said. When you cut the power back on, you press normal wash, heat dry twice, and normal wash, and then you watch for the lights to blink. Right? And there's a, there's a four and a half schematic on the different ways that the lights can blink on my Maytag dishwasher. Four and a half pages. And the, and the type is like 10, it's smaller than the Bible I used to use, right? So, so you're, you're looking at this, so, so you're like looking at it, and you're like, okay, they're going to blink. And so it's, it's, okay, heavy wash, one, two, three, um, heat dry, one, um, finish five times. I mean, it's all these lights, and you have to follow them, right? So I'm sitting there with a paper in front of the dishwasher so that I can write down the lights as they blink. So, right, sitting there at the paper, and, and I see this one blink three times, so while I'm writing three times, it's already gone through the whole cycle. So I have to go back to the breaker, cut the breaker off, turn the breaker back on, do the heat dry, normal heat dry twice, start the whole thing again, and then I'll wait. Okay, I, I got that light, okay, I got that. And then I write it, while I'm writing it down, the whole cycle finishes. I had... 10 lights that was blinking in, in sequence on my dishwasher. Once an hour and 15 minutes had passed, okay, of my life that I cannot get back. I went to the schematic and I looked 
And I saw, oh, okay, well, it is the, the electronic control module. So I went online. I found one um, from a place that also owns Kmart, and it was $89 for this control module. And for some reason, they are not in the Amazon world. They are in the Stone Age of the 1960s, where it takes two months to get the part to your house. I cannot wait two, two months because I don't want to actually hand wash the dishes. I used to do that my entire life. That is just something I don't want to do. I have been redeemed because I bought a dishwasher and it does the washing for me. Okay? So that, that's just the way, the way that I do it. So I got the control module yesterday, and, and it came in the mail, and I, I was just so excited because finally I would be able to wash these dishes that have been hanging around in my dishwasher since Monday. So I open the dishwasher up, and it's a great smell, right? So once I got my stomach under control, I began to do the thing. I put the, I put the control module in. I shut it, right? I turned the breaker back on. I was just so excited that it, it started to work, and then it stopped. It stopped. So I thought, okay. Well, I'll just run the diagnostics again. And I started running the diagnostics, and I realized very quickly that this was a different problem. This was just the first problem, and now there's another problem. And you know how that goes with appliances. You start fixing one thing, and then you're going to fix another, and you just might as well just go ahead and, and buy one because you're going to have all this kind of money in it. So, so finally, by the third time I had flipped the breaker, and knowing that I would have to preach today, and I needed to look over that because this is kind of important, um, I decided, I, I texted my wife and I said, we're just going to have to buy a brand new, you know, dishwasher. And so I'd already had one picked out. Now, what you may or may not know about me, when I pick out stuff, I don't research it. I just go online, see what looks good, and that's what I'm going to buy, okay? She actually researches everything about it and make sure that it does everything that we are supposed to do. She is the reader in the family. She reads every detail. So she will make a recommendation of the dishwasher that we should buy, and then, and then I will purchase that dishwasher, okay? That, that's what occurs. The reason I bring up that story is this. The world cannot be fixed by just exchanging things out. We can't exchange a new government for a better government. We can't exchange uh, a new school system for the old school system. We, we can't exchange um, something that we did yesterday to do something better today. We can't continue to exchange because the one issue is never really the problem. What we really need as humans is a brand new life. Our lives are dying, the ones that we were, we were born with. And every time we diagnose a sin and take care of it, there's always another sin and another sin and another sin. And Jesus Christ, who is worthy, and God the Father and the Holy Spirit knew that. And so the meaning of the resurrection is this. You do not have to keep the old dishwasher self. You can get something bread new. Come on. And it's a new life that lives inside of you and percolates and takes over the old. And eventually, all old things are going to pass away and be thrown into the dumpster, thrown away, and the new life is going to take over. And that is what is going to solve America's problem, the world's problem, and your problem. Those are the implications of the resurrection.
Now, with that in mind, I want you to turn to an interesting book this morning, Job chapter 19. Job chapter 19. By the way, does anybody else feel the cool air? Isn't that great? Yeah. Um, it's amazing that the top things on these, on these little controllers are heat and the bottom is the cool. So if you turn down the heat to 68, the air conditioner adjusts, you know what I mean? So we had to adjust that back, and now stuff is working, and it's incredible. It feels so good up here, although I know some of you are still fanning, and that's, that's fine. All right, Job chapter 19 is where we're going to be today. So I want to set up the first part of this, of this chapter before we get to the actual verses that we're diving into. So this is how we're going to do it. Job is in a very desperate situation. As you know, if you've been here, he's lost his family, he's lost his wealth. He, he is just in a bad moment in his life. In the first part of chapter 19, he actually tells you about his entire situation. So I want you to listen to this as I run through them. Ready? First, there were people around him that were tormenting him. Have you ever had people tormenting you? Yeah, there were people around him that tormented him. People that, brought, that thought they were better than him. Have you ever been around people that thought they were better than you? Yeah, Job had two. There was God, and he seemed to be silent during this whole experience. He had lost everything, and here are these people tormenting him, and here are these people that think they're better than him, and God, as he cries out to him in his pain, is very, very silent. God seems to not care. God seems to be striking out against him, or me is what he would say. Have you ever felt like that maybe God was striking out against you, that maybe God didn't care? Have you ever had that thought? Maybe even for a moment, Job had that thought. He had strained relationships, strained relationships. And I'm sure you and I have both had strained relationships. I know that I had. Friends had distanced themselves from him. They couldn't be around him anymore. They had kind of left and backed off, and he was just there without them. He felt like no one was helping him. He was sitting in his ashes. His three friends that had come to talk to him... They were not helping at all, and he just felt like nobody in the entire universe was helping him, including God, and he was just feeling very, very, very bad. He felt like no one respected him. He was sitting in ashes. He was, he was just down on himself, and he felt like nobody was respecting him. He felt like he had lost control of his family, of his wife felt like he lost control of his house. Have you ever felt like you have lost control of something and you're no longer in charge? And he just felt like he had lost all of that. He felt alone. After all of that, he just felt alone, like nobody cared, like nobody was interested, like nobody was listening to him, like nobody was offering him comfort. He felt alone. He felt like his body was against him. He had these sores, and he was scraping them with a piece of pottery, and he was getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And at one point in Job, he says that he feels like his skin is just up against his bone, that like he doesn't even have muscle anymore. He doesn't have the power to move. He has aches and pains. Now, Job is the first book in the Bible that was ever written it was written way before Genesis was written. 
So before Genesis crafted how creation actually happened, and before we learned, anybody learned about Abraham, and before we went into the slavery in Egypt and, and the whole first five books of the Bible and on, Job was written and Job was wrestling with God, and Job was wrestling with the exact same things that you and I wrestle with. He felt alone. He felt, he felt depressed. He felt like everything was against him. It is amazing, isn't it, that after 7,000 years, things haven't changed. Come on. After 7,000 years, things haven't changed. He felt like everything was against him way before Moses, way before Abraham way before Jesus. And as he describes that in the first part of Job chapter 19, this is what he begins to say in verse 23. All that my words were written, all that they were inscribed in a book, all that with an iron pen and lead, they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last, he will stand upon the earth. That was a nice clap. Here's a guy that everything in life is totally against him. He's not in any different of a situation than you and I when it comes to feeling bad about ourselves or feeling uh, depressed or feeling bad. He, he's, not, he's in kind of the same position because he is still human. And here at the very end, he says, I wish that these words about me, what I'm about to say, could be remembered forever. I know that my Redeemer lives, and on the last day, he will stand. This is temporary. This is not something that's going to defeat me. It might define the way that I die. It might define maybe something that's happening in my life. It might be part of the story, but it's not what's going to win. My Redeemer, who is faithful and true, is going to stand on the last day and make all of this right. That is an implication of the resurrection. That is what he's talking about. So what is this redeem word that he's talking about here? My know that my redeemer lives. You see, Job, he didn't know that Jesus Christ was coming in the future to die on the cross, be buried, and rise again. He knew that there was going to be a Messiah. He knew that somebody was going to come to the earth, but he had no clue that Jesus was going to walk on the earth for 33 years and then die and rise again the third day. He had no clue about that plan. In fact, not many people in the Old Testament had a clue about that plan. So here he is looking at this Redeemer. What in the world is he thinking when he sees a Redeemer up in heaven? And this is what he's thinking. This is what Redeemer means. It, it meant it back in Job's day, and it also means it in our day. And this is it. First of all, Job is saying, I need a vindicator. There are people that are attacking me, and I need somebody to vindicate me. I also need somebody to advocate for me. I need somebody to stand for me and take my position. You see, Job had been like, okay, I've been righteous. I want to talk to God. I want to, I want to stand before him and tell him how I live. But man, I need a redeemer. I need an advocate. I need a defender. 
Have you ever felt like you needed someone to come alongside you and defend you? Somebody's hitting you hard with words. Somebody's hitting you hard with this. They're hitting you hard with that. Job needed a defender, needed a defender. This is what a redeemer is. A redeemer does. A redeemer defends. A ransomer. A a ransomer means somebody is holding you hostage and will not let you go until someone pays the price. This is a picture of you and I and sin. We were born into this world with a sin debt, a debt that we could not pay. But Jesus Christ came and paid that debt on the cross by shedding his blood on Calvary. He paid that sin debt, and he ransomed anyone who believes on him and asks him to be their savior. He's a ransomer. He's also someone that wants you in their family. He's someone that wants you in their family. Now, how many of you are going to eat today with family members? Right? Yeah. Now, some of you really love, love certain people in your family, and some of you don't love certain people in your family. Some of you like to go to those meals and take the certain people that you love in your family and go to a room and kind of hide there and hope that the aunt or the uncle or whoever you don't like comes into that room. Some of you like to, like, to, like to say, okay, I tell you what, I know all the chairs in here are filled rats. I'll eat on the porch. I will sacrifice and eat on the porch, right? Eat on the porch. There are some people that don't want you and their family, and if we're really honest, we kind of wish that that other person hadn't married into the family. Right? Jesus in heaven wants everybody in his family. Everybody. That is amazing. If there's anyone that exists that should exclude people from the family, it is Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's worthy. Why? Because he's perfect. Why? Because when you sin, it irritates him. It makes him sad. But he distributes. Yeah, he does distribute. That's a better word than what I was going to say. He distributes grace toward us and mercy and peace and love. Is he a God of wrath? Yes, he is. If you don't accept him, there's something coming that you don't want to be a part of. But if you have received him as your Savior, he has ransomed you because he looked down through eternity. And when he died on the cross... He did it so that you would be a part of his family. Someone that is a redeemer wants you to be part of their family. A redeemer has more power and more resources than you do. I can't think of anybody that has more resources than Jesus Christ. You can move. I know we're, I know we're Baptists, we're not charismatic, but you can move a little bit, yeah. Is more refer- I can't think of anybody that doesn't have more power than Jesus Christ. Right? Do what? It's all a deal. Look, I, I'm not really good in sports. So what I do if I'm ever on a team is I recruit good people to be on my team. Because I can pass the ball to them. Okay? I can go after the ball and pass it to them. Basketball. I'm not doing football. Look at this. This isn't a football body, okay? But basketball, I'll try. 
and I will recruit people so that I can win. Jesus, you don't even have to recruit him. He's already said he wants you. He, he wants you in your deficiencies. He wants you in your sin. He wants you. He wants you because he loves you. And he wants you to accept him as a savior and become part of his family. He has more power and more resources. A redeemer comes to your side and they take your side. Is there anyone in here that just needs somebody to take their side? Is there anyone in here that just wants to feel like someone is on their side? I'm here to tell you this morning because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that my Redeemer lives, Jesus Christ is on your side. Come on. And in your darkest moments where you're in the corner and you're feeling all alone and maybe God is even silent, you can take this to the bank. Jesus Christ is still on your side. If you're wondering why he's silent, I can't cover that in this message, but you can look at the message on YouTube from last week, and it will tell you why God is sometimes silent in your life and why he does that. But for now, just know that he is still on your side. Set next, he restores your situation and your honor. He does that. That's what Jesus does, restores your situation and your honor. I don't know what situation you're in. I don't know everybody's life. I don't know everything that happens to you, but this is what I know. If you're in a situation where you need restoration, it is only Jesus Christ that can restore you. And he is either going to do it now or he's going to do it later, but he is the one that is there to restore you. He's a restorer. So Job here says, what? For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. Turn to your neighbor and said, I know my Redeemer lives. Hmm. So, Job looks into the future. And I'm here to tell you that there is no better defender, no better advocate, no better person to be on your side than the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no better person. There's nobody in this room that I would choose above Jesus being with me. I love everybody in this room, but if you make me choose between Jesus and you, I'm going with Jesus. Because at the end day, he's the one standing on the earth, and he is my redeemer, and he is the one on my side. Does anybody need that word today? on this Easter Sunday morning. Does anybody need that word today? You are not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Now, I've gotten so excited, I do not know what's next. Oh, that's awesome. Bill Gaither wrote a song that is in some hymnals, but not in the great hymns of the faith. And it's not a hymn if it's not in the great hymns of the faith, because that's what I grew up with, okay? This is a song, and I'm just having a little fun there. This is a song that he wrote. It says this, because he lives, I can face tomorrow, right? Because he lives, salvation is imparted to me. 
because I know, I know, I know that he lives, I can face tomorrow. When you are in your darkest moment, just remember, because he lives, you can make it through. Because he lives, you can face tomorrow. Because he lives, you can make it to the next step. Because he lives. Now, let's unpack the rest of these verses a little bit. Verse 25 said, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, and one day he is coming back, and he is going to set up a reign here on earth. It's called the millennial reign. It's a thousand years. And then at the end of that millennial reign, he is going to totally destroy this earth and create a new heaven and a new earth, and he will stand, and he will be the ruler, and he will be the one that is in total control. All the pain will be gone. All the sadness will be gone. We will all be perfect. We will be in one accord, and he will reign. Back, way before Genesis was ever written, before Moses really probably ever existed, Job penned these words that one day the Messiah is coming back and he's going to set up a kingdom. We always talk about proofs of the resurrection and if this is really going to happen on this side of things, we've never really thought about the proof that it's going to happen on the other side. What if somebody way before any of the other books in the Bible wrote about the Redeemer coming back? This is actually the oldest text that we have that is in existence, that is telling you and me that there is a God that is coming back one day to set everything right in this world. That is who we look to, and that is what we look forward to for him to stand. But I will tell you this, you better be ready for him to stand, to stand before him. You better be ready for that day. I know, and I normally don't do this particular part, I know that this week the Pope came out and said that there is no hell, that there is no eternal punishment for your sins. I am telling you that that is not in the Bible. I don't care if you're Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, whatever you might want to be, that is not in the Bible. It is not biblical. In Revelation chapter 20, it says that Satan and his angels are thrown into the lake of fire and they will burn there for eternity. In Revelation chapter 21, it says that anyone that hasn't received the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior and become a part of his family will be thrown into a lake of fire for eternity. If Job, before any of that was written, knew that there was a redeemer coming one day and he was gonna to have to stand before him and he was glad he had an advocate for who he was and you had to have faith in that Messiah in order not to be punished for your sins, I think for us in 2018, we need to take note. God loves you so much and wants you in, your, in his family and has done the price to get you into his family so that you will not have to experience an eternity of burning in the lake of fire. Jesus would say there is gnashing and weeping in that place. That is what the Bible says about it. So the implications of the resurrection is this. God loves you so much that he wants you a part of his family and to escape all of that. And here is Job looking at Jesus standing one day in judgment 
of the earth, and he is thankful that that person standing there is his redeemer, the one that's on his side, the one that's going to say he can enter into heaven because of his faith in him. Come on. That is Easter. So he continues. Check this out. It says this, verse 26, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, In other words, right now, I can see that my skin is being destroyed. I have all this stuff going on, and I'm withering down, and I'm going to my grave, I feel like. After I leave this present age, after my skin is gone and my body quits working, after my skin has been thus destroyed, he says this, yet in my flesh I shall see God. What does that mean? Wait a minute. Job, you just said that your body's wasting away, it's going to be destroyed. How can you, after that happens, see God in your flesh? Well, it's called resurrection. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus is not the only one that's going to be rose out of the grave. He's not going to be the only one that has a brand new body, a different type of body, a perfect body. Everybody that receives the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, an implication of that, an implication of the resurrection is Jesus Christ has the power to get rid of your old body that is physically unable to exist for a very long period of time. He has the power to give you a brand new body so that you can live for eternity in heaven with him. I don't, when I get my body, I won't like pecs, and biceps, and like, oh, you know, in my robe, of course, I wouldn't be at all that, you know, stuff that they do when they do all that. It's kind of gross. But nonetheless, you've got, you've got all this, you've got this robe on. You're like, yeah, I want to be strong. In fact, I don't necessarily have to be all that big. I want to be kind of silently strong. You know what I mean? Kind of, kind of small, but just as strong as the people that are big. Do you know what I mean? I am looking forward to that body. Um, yesterday... By the way, we had an awesome day here yesterday with the ET tours and the kids and, and the field and all of that. And it's so many volunteers for that that pulled that off. It was absolutely incredible. But at the end of the day, um, Derek had his big SUV. Um, and out of the back of it is like this gray-black smoke that comes when he revs it up, right? Killing the environment. Um, I think it's interesting that people in the city are worried all about that, and all they have is concrete. We have trees, and we have big SUVs that we like to guzzle and and stuff. You know what I really like to see? And I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. This wasn't a part of the message, but it's going to be now. You know those little death mobiles that are two-seaters that are really small, right, that really look like they should be at Disney World on a track going through something, right, but they've actually put them on a road? I love it when I'm at a stoplight, and there's like a, a truck and he's gunning it, and, and that whole car is surrounded <laughs> by the smoke. And see, you might think that that's mean of me, but it's not. Here's why. Here's my rationalization. I don't know the person in the car, so it's not mean. <laughs> so I don't know him, so it's not me. But here, here's that thing, right? I personally think that less trees might be a good thing because... They talk about breathing with, with this, uh, this 
environmental stuff. I can't breathe in the spring. And scientifically, I can prove why I can't breathe in the spring. And if the flowers would quit producing all that stuff, I would have a great spring and actually enjoy it, right? I love the fall, but the spring, man, you're like, can't breathe, man. What are we doing about that? We should kill some stuff. Let's kill it. Let's kill it. But here, I'm looking forward to the day where I receive a brand new body that can breathe all the time. The actual answer to the environment is Jesus Christ. The actual answer to us being able to breathe and live like we're supposed to be is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that future day where he comes and he stands on the earth and both feet are planted. And we go to him and though this flesh is gone, I have a brand new body and I will see him with my very eyes. The next verse says, whom I shall see for myself and my eye shall behold and not another. I am not going to rely on my dad to see Jesus and then he'll tell me about it. I'm gonna have a brand new body one day when he stands on the earth and I'm gonna see him with my own eyes and I will worship him and I will thank him for everything that he's done. There will be some things that will become very much clear for me that I've wondered about for a very long period of time. There'll be some things that I'll realize I was wrong about and now this is really what it is and it's absolutely remarkable. But on that day, it's my eyes that will see Christ and worship him. And the reason I can tell you that I, wor- I will worship him is this. When I was eight years old, I ran up to the preacher and told him I needed to be saved before my daddy caught me. So he took me and took me in a room and showed me how I could receive Christ and I received Jesus as my savior. And it's at that moment that I became a citizen of heaven. So I don't have to fear seeing my Redeemer. I know he lives and one day he will stand. But if you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you do not have that relationship, you need to fear seeing that Savior one day unless you make a decision today to accept him as your Savior. The implication of the resurrection is this. Jesus Christ has the power over death. Jesus Christ has the power over Hades. Jesus Christ has the power over the lake of fire. Jesus Christ has the power to bring you with him into heaven and save your soul from that fate. Jesus Christ has that power because he is the redeemer that doesn't die. He is the redeemer that created the world. He is the redeemer that loves you and me that wants to come by your side. Hmm. I will see him with my own eyes. And then he says this, and my heart faints within me. I thought a lot about that that phrase because when you first see it, you get kind of excited about, you know, the life of Jesus and the resurrection and then you see the heart faints inside of me. Um, The only thing that I I can like illustrate that with is 
on June 1st, 1996, I was standing in a church, and my wife, she wasn't my wife at the time, the doors opened, and there she was. She was beautiful, and my heart just fainted inside of me. You know that feeling? Because you're happy, and you can't believe somebody that good-looking is married to somebody that ugly. Right? You, you just can't believe that this is actually happening. And she comes forward and we exchange our bow, vows and my heart literally fainted inside of me. This is what Job is saying. All this stuff is happening to me in this world and it's very, very bad. And I feel all alone. But when I look into the future, I see my redeemer who's alive and he's gonna stand on the earth and I'm gonna be able to stand before him and see him and worship him with my own eyes and my heart just gets weak, weak with the thought of that, of how I perceive the awesomeness of that one day when he appears because he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. So as we close this out, Two things, if you're sitting here and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would love to talk to you about that today. Do not go out of here and not accept him. If your heart has been moved by the Holy Spirit, you respond to that this morning. Second, if you're a believer here and your life is just in the gutter and things just aren't going well, take a few moments during this invitation and say, Lord, I know my life is not going well, but I know you're in control, and I know that you're alive, and this is going to pass. There are better days coming. There are better days coming. Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father,